Hello and welcome to a super impromptu edition of the Managing Widget Podcast. It is the holiday Q&A. I couldn't take a break. I know last week I uh, I kind of hinted that that might have been the last free podcast of 2021, but I knew deep down inside I was lying because I just can't take breaks. I don't like them. Uh, I just get antsy. I love working too much. So this is just uh, a thing that I wanted to do and we took questions from our patrons. They submitted them. And we are going to release all the answers for free. So thank you for tuning in. Everything about today is super impromptu, including the fact that over on patreon.com slash managing, we kind of have a secret under the table deal, which we have not advertised on the website and we have not advertised on social media. We're not planning to advertise on those platforms. It's only for the people who are lucky enough to listen to listen to this episode. You guys get the deal. So go over to patreon.com slash managing Madrid. And now until the new year, December 31st. Look, it'll probably be available January 1st because what psychopath is going to go at the stroke of midnight on December 31st and cancel a deal? Certainly not going to be me. So I imagine when you wake up on January 1st, it'll still be there, but I wouldn't rely on that. I would just do it before December 31st. Uh, if you go over to patreon.com slash majority, you get two months free on an annual membership, so you pay for 10 months. You get 12, which will take you all the way through to 2022. It sounds like a pretty good deal, and it is. Trust me, it is. We bring you so much value. We bring you so much bonus content. So here's what you get. Every Tuesday, Matt Wiltsey and I, we do a loan tracker, which means we review the performance of every single Real Madrid out on loan, plus whatever bonus news that is, you know, the hot topic of the day on Tuesday or Monday, whatever news trickled in from the weekend. And then on Thursday, Lucas Navarrete and I do a mailbag. And then every Champions League postgame show is all over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. And we do the big ones on Zoom. So the two upcoming games against PSG, both of those postgame shows, you get a Zoom link exclusively for you. And you log in with that. We do live video breakdown. We do tactical analysis. We let you guys ask questions at the end. There's a chat. It's a super fun deal. And if you happen to miss it for whatever reason, you can also get access to the podcast itself after the fact, which you don't get to do if you're not a patron. So over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Now is the time. Now is the time to do it. You get two months free. There's no better time. So just go do it. If you've been listening to this podcast, if you listen to this episode regularly, you know what the value we bring like we just we bring everything to the table. We we put our soul into this, and this is how we feed our family. So please hop on if you like the show. And uh, this episode is also brought to you by Manscaped, of course. They are our favorite producers of ball trimmers. They are the global leaders in below the waist grooming, and they are leaving 2021 with a new product. Clean yourself into the new year with their ultra premium body wash. Also, special offer alert: use the code Managing Madrid. For 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Four million men already trust Manscaped worldwide. It's time to join them. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code managing at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code managing Madrid. Happy New Year to you and your balls. And also, this episode is also brought to you by the excellent Hotel Ryu Plaza, New York Times Square. They are proud sponsors of the Managing Madrid Podcast World Tour. They hooked us up when we went to New York for our podcast in December and met a bunch of amazing Madridistas. We also reconnected with ones who have come to our previous show. So it's just really nice to get together with a room filled of Real Madrid fans who are super passionate, just like us. And we love meeting our Real Madrid family. 
And on that note, in January, Miami's coming up and we got some big guests coming to that one and also the London UK one in February. That's going to be it's going to be some big hitters in that one as well. So we got uh Miami in January, we got London in February, we got DC in March, we got Chicago in April and we're going to round it out with Mumbai in May. And I know you've heard me say this in the past few weeks, but I'm um, you know, it's physically, it's exhausting. And we're, we're going to see out this commitment to finish these cities. Beyond that, I'm not really sure if we're going to do this again. And I genuinely mean that because it was really taxing on me physically to do all these trips in between juggling all the, you know, going back and forth to Madrid, all the content. It's just really no time to actually slow down at this point. So, uh, don't know if I'm going to do this tour again. We may do sporadic cities instead of an actual tour. I'm not sure. I'm just saying don't bank on it. So if you're banking on us coming to a closer city near you, don't bank on that anymore. Just bank on this world tour and that's it. So if you're close to Mumbai, go to Mumbai. If you're close to London, go to London because we're not going to do any other ones in the UK, uh, especially this tour and Based, like people have been asking us, like, are you going to come to Wales? Like that was the question we got recently. Are we going to do Copenhagen? Because we've briefly mentioned that in the past. I don't think we are. So just come to London and come to all the cities that are close to you. The link to book is in the show notes. The Miami one, the early bird tickets end this week, uh, December 31st. Beyond that, they actually go up. And that's not dependent on me physically going and changing it. Automatically at midnight, the early bird ends. So... It gets more expensive after that, so definitely book ASAP for that one. And um, yeah, we uh, we want you to get in. Uh, let's tee up this podcast one last time with the voice of Ray Hudson. Last time we'll hear his intro in 2021. So let's get this thing started. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Uh, wonderful lads that do a great job there. And all right thanks ray hudson for that one last intro for 2021 uh, I am your host, Keon Sabani, obviously, and I couldn't drag anyone else from the Manager Podcast, and I already knew that. I asked a couple of people, and uh, I already, it was a rhetorical question. Basically, I was like, look, you guys, I'm just, I'm the crazy one here. I'm going to put something out because I'm itching. I need, it's like my drug. I need my hit. I need to put out some content. Uh, you guys be with your families, but in case you guys also need your hit, you're free to to come. Uh, I sent it off to Omen Matt, and uh they uh they said no and i'm so thankful they said no because i would actually be worried for them if they said yes so uh enjoy your holidays guys and do your thing with your families why am i doing this well because actually there's a question about it so <laughs> maybe i'll bring it forward but um i i i hate breaks so I, I i just wanted to to talk to you guys i wanted to talk about real madrid and despite it being you know a quiet time of year for us you know this is really the only time we can take a, an actual break because other breaks there's international breaks those Real Madrid play players play um, and then when the season ends that's actually the busiest time of year because then the transfers and stuff and that's really just it, it actually is much more difficult and much more um, 
much more work than the actual season itself, you know. So so this is really the only time we get to take a break. But the good thing about it is that no one's forcing me to do this. It's kind of on my own initiative. So it actually, in a lot of ways, it's it's a, it's a time of year I'm actually thankful for because I don't have to record something, but I want to. So I'm, I'm happy to do this. So let's do a Q&A. Our patrons sent in questions last night. Being Sunday night, I'm recording this at the crack of dawn on Monday morning. You just finished a workout. I worked out some, worked off like maybe 25% of the samosas I ate this week. And we had hybrid dinner of Persian food and Indian food. I know when I posted the picture on Twitter what we were eating, everyone was like, oh, it's Indian food and you're Indian. I'm not Indian. I get that question a lot. But I want to say this. I love Indian food. I go to town on it. Indian and Mexican are my two favorite cuisines, uh, of course, outside of my mom's Persian cooking at home. My dad, too. My dad's a phenomenal chef. But we had a hybrid uh, Persian-Indian meal where we had homemade Persian rice with tadik, T-A-H-D-I-G. If you don't know what that is and you're not Persian, go look that up on Google and salivate. And I would encourage you to find your local Persian restaurant, support them, buy some tadik, buy some Persian curry, or look up recipes and try to make it at home. It's it's a delicacy. It's the caviar of Persian cooking. And uh, it's it's truly remarkable, incredible stuff. It is, uh, it is one of my favorites. So we had that, and then we had a bunch of Indian curries. We had dal palak, we had chana masala, we had samosas, pakoras, a bunch of chutneys from a local Indian shop. So yeah, had had a lot to work off this morning. And I'm, I'm probably about 25% through. So we're here, crack of dawn for our patrons. And our first patron question is from Mandeep Karki. He says, do you think Zidane will coach Real Madrid again? How likely is it that Zidane will come back to follow Carlo Ancelotti when we have a solid team again with Mbappe as our star? Florentino and Zidane got along really well for 21 years. They can surely get over the differences they had last season. So, uh... This question comes up every now and then, and my answer remains the same. I think Zidane is our Jupp Heynckes. I think he will be in and out of the team until he grows old and retires and for good. And I also think he's going to be one of those people who will come back from retirement a few times as well. <laughs> Sorry for the voice crack. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Um, but I, I think he's one of those those guys who will come in and out when the team needs him. Like we, we put out the bat signal and he'll come flying in. But, but I actually think this one will be a little bit of a bigger break. I think the way the season ended, he just looked so drained by the end of it. I genuinely think he just was tired. Um, and I, and he's always been one that doesn't care about money. He'll put, he'll, he'll leave money on the table. He'll walk away from it. He's been like that as a player, as a manager. And he's not going to, like, he's in it for the right reasons, and I respect that. I, I You know, there is a genuine um, aura about him where, like, there's just an authenticity. He genuinely just wants to help the club. And if he feels that he can't anymore, he'll walk away. He's, you know, that's part of the reason he walked away the first time is because, you know, and you can put out any theory you want about, well, he knew Ronaldo was going to leave, etc. Uh, and he knew, like, there was going to be, you know, the squad wasn't going to be the same or whatever, whatever you want to say about it. And he wasn't going to be able to sign the players he was going to get. I think that that's certainly part of it. That that part of it is, I think, bigger than the Ronaldo part. I think it was more about maybe he didn't have full control over the sporting vision as he would have wanted rather than Ronaldo leaving. Uh, but whatever theory you want to put out there, 
I think, you know, he he made it clear like this team just needs a different direction. It needs it was hard for him to motivate the team. The team ended, I think, seventeen or eighteen points behind Barcelona in the league that season despite winning the Champions League. And he felt like it needed someone else to motivate the team. And then the second second time, you know, he stated his reasons for coming back and he stated his reasons for leaving, obviously, and they were slightly different, but I think he will take a bit of a break. Uh I to me predicting when he comes back and where he goes is much like predicting his lineups. There's no point. It's impossible. Maybe he'll get a job or two before he comes back to Real Madrid. Maybe it's the French national team. I don't see Juve being an option. PSG obviously is problematic because of his Marseille ties. Maybe Manchester United in the future, although they don't, you know, with with, with big Ralph up there now, I don't know if they'll be coaching, they'll be making changes anytime soon. Maybe he just takes an extended break maybe it's three years maybe it's five years maybe it's 10 years maybe it's you know who knows maybe it's like seven months I I don't know it's hard to predict this thing but I do know that I think he will be back eventually I don't know when that is but I I feel like he will be back at some point Abhishek Mahajan says hey Kian I hope your holidays are going great right back at you my brother Uh, my question is about the rumors of us being interested in the Lille striker Jonathan David have you watched him and are you convinced of his abilities to play for us also would you prefer him or Alvarez all this considering we sell Jovic of course Uh, so if you mean Julian Alvarez who plays for River Plate I can't speak to that because I've never seen him play I'm I'm not I can't pride myself on Argentinian football league football and I and I, I didn't watch the uh, Copa America this year and are not Copa America, Copa Libertadores, sorry. And I don't I, I can't really speak about it. But when we talk about Jonathan David, I can channel my inner Canadian and I can certainly speak about him to the best I can. Um, obviously leading league in, in scoring this season, which is a remarkable feat given the names we know that exist in league and and genuine joy watching him with the Canadian national team Canada which has just flown up the FIFA world rankings which I don't care about unless it's Canada jumping uh, up the standings climbing up and gaining some respect in world football I care about it in that sense it's been awesome watching Canada play obviously we're actually good this is our best team ever our best player of all time is in the national team and Alfonso Davies Jonathan David is great uh, he hasn't even been starting every game. And whether this is like real or not, what he's doing in League 1 and in Canada, I would say, <clears throat> again, this is the biased Canadian in me. I would love to see a Canadian play for Real Madrid, obviously. He's not going to be a starter. We have no idea, you know, can we sign Holland? How long is Benzema going to play? Jonathan David is not a starting Real Madrid striker. Let's make that clear. Could he be the Jovic type figure maybe but I would say as much as I like David I I haven't there's another profile that we have in our books that I think could play that role and that is Borja Mayoral who admittedly has had a really poor season and that's mostly because Mourinho has basically banished him into the doghouse for no real clear reason because Mayoral was great under Fonseca last season, and then Mike Mourinho came and made him a third-choice striker. I, I wrote about this last week or two weeks ago, and Mayoral obviously started in back-to-back games alongside Tammy Abraham and, and looked pretty good. And uh, you would know that if you listen to the Lone Tracker podcast on Tuesdays, and, and then he lost his place again. I really like Mayoral still. 
I I wonder like could could Myral just take that role if we're going to sell Jovic? I don't I don't know, but it does feel like the Jonathan David thing as much of a cool link it is as a Canadian, I just don't really see it happening because it really, you know, if, if, if you sign Holland, for example, there's actually a scenario where Benzema could be coming off the bench for large stretches and we could be kind of juggling that with false nine and Mbappe can play that role sometimes too. So I just don't see it happening for, for those reasons primarily. Uh, question from Slime Manfi. Oh, this is a good transition actually. From a tactical perspective, I have a hard time understanding the links of both Mbappe and Holland, especially with Vinicius and Big Benz in the form of their life. If you look at the four, they are all people who barely got injured. So it's only with rotation that these four can play. I struggle to find the feasibility of all four being at Real at the same time. Or is there a tactical approach that I'm missing to fit all four? I don't think this is a really good question because like I'll, if you just if somebody just like if you have a chance to have Holland and Mbappe Benzema and Vinicius in your team it's extremely difficult to say no to that much like it's extremely difficult to say no to having a Messi Mbappe and Neymar in your team you just can't say no to that uh much like it's very hard to say no to having Ronaldo Nazario Luis Figo Raul Gonzalez and Zinedine Zidane in your team it's very hard uh at the same time all you know those those iterations that I mentioned of PSG and Real Madrid Galacticos, they all had their tactical struggles. PSG continues to to have a difficult time juggling the front three. With just like the imbalance of it, you know, Messi doesn't press like he used to. Neymar doesn't defend much on the flank. And Mbappé, you know, these players are all kind of just primed to play in transition. So... It's it's hard to juggle, and I, I think Sly brings up a valid point, though. Like, how would this actually work? I think Vinicius is going to have to take a defensive burden if 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 you play him in the front three because he's the one who can defend the most. Mbappe, uh, you, you might have to switch to a more high press scheme, but that is really highly reliable on who the midfield three is behind you. So it's going to have its challenges. If you start all four, well, you really have to be pressing and counter-pressing relentlessly in order for that to work because to borrow one from Pep Guardiola where he said of his Barcelona team, we were terrible defensively, so our only way to defend was to hold the ball and press and counter-press. And I think that's kind of what you would have to do in this situation because if you're going to play all four of those somehow, Benzema would probably have to slide into like a 10, hybrid 10 role of some sorts playing in the hole, maybe a 4-2-3-1. It's, it's, it's really hard to do from a tactical perspective. Uh, I think there is a realistic scenario that if you get all four of those in one squad, you may have to ask Benzema to kind of come in and out of the team, maybe not start every game. So, And I don't think that's ideal because Benzema at this level, like how can you even bench him? Just because he's older doesn't mean he's inferior. Like he's he's just, right now he's aging, like he's getting better somehow. So I'm struggling with this one. It's a question that I'd like to bring forward. I think, And I think it's a very valid question. Rizvan Ramdan says, Opposing teams have started to shape their defensive strategies by focusing on isolating and double-teaming Vinicius to take him out of Riamja's offense. Will we see Vinny's offense contribute, uh, his offensive contribution decline? And is overcoming this just part of the course for him to become a great attacker? Yeah, I think growth is not linear. It's going to have many ebbs and flows. And also, this is part of the reason why Vinicius, after a great breakout rookie season, when Solari brought him in, 
he had a, a bit of a sophomore slump because this is what happens. Scouting report comes out and you start to throw bodies at him. You th- And then he has to keep adjusting. So I think the reason he's cooled off a little bit is maybe that's part of it is that, you know, if you look at our past few games, whether it's Athletic, whether it's Atletico, they've just been packing the flanks, making sure that he can't cut in. It was the Cadiz manager, right? I, I, I asked him after the game, Cervera, like, what was your plan with Vinicius? And he was saying, he's saying that uh, every time he cuts in, we'd ha- we, we were going to give him the wing, let him run down the wing, but we wanted to make sure that he can't shoot or do anything when he cuts in, so multiple bodies in his way to do that. And and Cadiz came out of the Bernabeu with a draw. And I think p- teams are going to start doing that. I would do that if I was an opposing manager. He's, you know, Vinicius is a massive threat right now. Um, so and he's going to his, his individual brilliance gets him through a lot of difficult spots and tight spaces. Gets the team in transition. He's been burning everyone on the flank basically. So I think he'll have to learn to adjust to that. But I think he will, and I think he'll just get through it and then get better and better. That's that's my prediction for him. He's just too good, and he has a good head head on his shoulders. Philip Matebo says, "What's your favorite vacation destination?" Uh, interesting. I don't like vacations. I I hate like the the idea of like laying down on a beach or by a pool is is brutal to me. I I can't I don't even know what to do with myself. Um but if it's like adventures, I don't know what the answer to that is because I think a lot of the places that I really want to go to for a quote-unquote vacation where I can explore and do all that stuff um I I haven't been to yet, so I can't really speak to it, but I can talk to you about my favorite destinations about like where I've loved so far that I've gone. And I'll make it a, a quick three, a three city shortlist. We'll say uh, number one, San Diego, by far the greatest place in the United States, in my opinion. It's better than any other big city because you kind of get away from the noise and the nature is spectacular. It's on the ocean. It's got a really awesome vibe. It's the perfect temperature of the day every year it's like 23 degrees celsius it's not too hot it's not too cold you wake up there's a little bit of a mist in the morning and it just is like a very comfortable temperature after that like basically perpetually i love that madrid is number two because it's madrid and it's not just because of real madrid it's basically uh, my second home now and i'm i just love it it's it's not i don't even know if it's a vacation anymore it's just basically home but there's very few other cities I'd rather be in ever, just in at any given moment. And Madrid is just is always amazing for so many variety of reasons. But the culture, I love it. The life, it there's a there's a certain life to it. There's a certain energy to it that just puts my, a smile on my face. It's uh, it's one of those places where it's alive. People are always out, whether it's you know grandparents and grandchildren in a playground at one a.m pack coffee shops at you know same at the same hour doesn't matter if you're out at 11 a.m or 3 a.m it's the same amount of people and it's like a town square vibe where people are just vibing and hanging out and happy it's you know the economy is not great but the, the people are seem to be happy um so madrid number two number three uh is i'm gonna go with vancouver which is Maybe not. It's kind of a weird choice, but I think there are there are a few people who listen to this podcast who live in Vancouver. I'd, I'd be curious to know what their experience of it is just living there. 
but it's my favorite city in Canada because it's got a really good combination of nature and city life. Uh, it's a very modern city, and it's basically just like right in the middle of mountains and ocean. It's got good weather, but also a stone's throw away from world-class skiing. So I'm going to go with Vancouver number three. So if you haven't been to any of those three cities, I highly recommend. Uh, question from Vasco Tocheski says, You freak, I knew you wouldn't last without this moment. I saw your... I, I knew you wouldn't last the moment I saw you posting Tottenham clips. Yeah, watched Regulon uh, yesterday. Because uh, what else is there to do? You know, when the football's on, there's like no other, nothing else on except for NBA. NBA and Premier League is kind of like Christmas tradition, right? Uh, Vasco says, anyway, I got one for you. You are tasked with building a new team. You can choose one trio, BBC or KCM. For the sake of the argument, all of them are in their prime. Which trio would you choose? Uh, interesting question. Uh, I would love to know who the other three are. So if I get BBC, who is the midfield I get? Is it like a comparable? Is it is it a very good midfield? Um, if so, I would take BBC and, and vice versa. If I get KCM, who was my front three? Is it like, you know, is it is it Messi, Ronaldo, Nazario, and Zidane or something? Then I would be happy with KCM. So it depends. But if I didn't know and I was going into this blindly and I could maybe... I it really have no idea who I'm getting, and it could be like three terrible players on a midfield or attack, depending on who I choose. I would go with BBC because you get the Ronaldo factor. To me, he's the most clutch player of all time, and certainly, at least the very least, one of the two greatest players of all time. And you get Benzema, and if I get and by the way, this is the wording on this is the prime. So if I get like the 2000 post 2018 version of Benzema. Then I there's it's a no brainer. Plus peak bail is unstoppable. So I I'd go with BBC. Uh, Jose Villacresa says, "Hey Keon, my question is, why do you have this insatiable drive to produce content? We all know that this one is completely not necessary, but much appreciated. What about reaching out and recording for the Managing Madrid family drives you?" Great question. I think it's a combination of four different things. Uh, number one, I'm an extremely extroverted person i don't like to be alone unless it's planned alone time or it's a workout or it's studying you know that kind of work that i need to be alone headphones on i i'd like to pick and choose when i'm alone but usually for work even i have to go to a busy coffee shop because i need that ambiance around me of things happening uh, and just being able to socialize during breaks and stuff like that is important to me so i'm an extremely extroverted person and so doing this podcast is my way of talking and just connecting with you guys because especially where I am right now, back home for the holidays, it's lockdown mode again. So even I, I don't really even get to see my extended family. Uh, there's restrictions. You have to be under 10 people in the household. And so I'm basically just with my immediate family, like my, my wife and two kids. My kids go to bed at between 7 and 8 p.m. and basically I have a lot of time after that to just do things like this so that's one I'm extroverted so this is my way of socializing number two um, I always believe in over delivering to customers clients fans who whoever like in in this case I, I just call it a family but I like to over deliver and exceed expectations so 
Um, just it's just a little something like a, I would call a bonus. It's better than under delivering and not putting out enough content. I'd rather put out too much content because I just think if 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 this makes somebody's commute on a Monday morning that much better. Let's say if someone has to wake up and go to work today and they're not on holidays and they get to listen to this, then uh, that makes me happy too. So even if there's just one person who can take value from this, then uh, then it, it's well worth it. Uh, number three, I just love doing what I do because this is not work for me. This is, again, this is a fun thing that I like to do. So that's it's very easy to do this. And number four, it's it's about habits for me because once you fall off something, it's hard to get back in the habit of it. This is why taking breaks generally doesn't work because it almost rewires your brain to form new habits and you could get a little bit lazy. So I always like to do things if it's a little bit like uncomfortable or challenging, then I'd rather do that than than not do it. So habits are important for me because it's it's easy to fall off a good habit and very easy to pick up a bad habit. So doing this, having a free weekly episode is a good habit. And I just wanted to continue it. Frederick Antakiro says, how happy would it make you if Marcelo could lift some silverware before leaving? Uh, it would make my heart dance and happy, not just for Marcelo, who is a legend, one of the greatest characters in football history, and also one of the greatest, probably the greatest attacking wingback in history. A genuinely good person, <laughs> an amazing person, and uh, I, that would make me happy f- for obvious reasons, Marcelo being happy, but also the fact that it would mean Real Madrid win silverware this year. Adar Zelikovic, he says, Hey, Kian, this question might have been mentioned on previous podcasts, but if you could only have one of Holland or Mbappe and you could never sign the other, who would you sign? And adding another twist, if you could only sign one of them and the other one would sign for Barcelona, would that change your pick? Uh, I don't know if it would necessarily change my pick. I think the thought of either Mbappe or Holland being at Barca is not something I would enjoy because I think Either of them would would help them, obviously. Um, if I did choose one for Real Madrid, I would say Mbappe because he's more versatile and I think you could kind of play him on the wing or or he can kind of maybe even succeed Benzema in a central position or go to the left. So uh, I would take Mbappe because of the versatility. Uh, Andrew Houston says, what is the difference between pressing and counter-pressing? So Andrew, I think this is... Uh, one of those questions that could be its own podcast on its own. And I don't know if I could do justice to it now, but what I can do is, and again, when I say this could be a podcast, it's own, I, I, I genuinely mean this could be a one hour podcast. And I think it would be better served as like um, something that between two people who could make it sound really fun and interesting because it's almost like a scientific thing and you could get there's variations of pressing there's variations of counter pressing and and all those have their own elements that need to be broken down but if i could maybe provide some value in answering this question it's that i think it's the way i like to answer things like this is how can i simplify it and and make it turn it into language that's easy to understand rather than you know send you to to read some some massive articles explaining it or, or get you to kind of go to other podcasts and listen to it that way. I'll just try to sim- to simplify it in like very basic language. And basically, pressing is an intended structure 
to win the ball high up the pitch. And there's variations of pressing. There's zonal pressing, man-to-man pressing, and you go down the list. Uh, but it's an intended structure off the ball, whereas counter-pressing is a more reactive um, reactive kind of sequence which is in response to losing the ball, and it's immediate, and it usually is has a time limit on it. So as soon as your team loses the ball, you want to converge and hound and hunt the ball carrier who is likely not in a position who has where he has good outlets because his team is just was just defending and they're not really tasked to be surrounding him with outlets and letting him you know giving him an option to escape the pressure so what you want to do defensively as soon as you lose it you're set up to basically hound and win the ball but there's usually a time limit so within like 5 10 seconds you want to uh, make sure that you win the ball. And you've just heard my kids walk in, so I think that'll be the last question I take. Actually, good timing, so they're just, they've just woken up. Do you guys want to come say hi? Here, Luca, you want to come say hi? No, nah, they're, they're just being kids. All right, so wish you guys a happy holidays. Love you all. Uh, thank you for... Uh, you know, spending a little time with me on these holidays. I hope this was fun. I hope this was okay. And yes, I'm done now. So I'm going to go spend some time with the kids. And again, happy holidays, whatever you're celebrating this time of year. Stay safe, please. We need you. We need you all safe and healthy and ready to go in 2022. So thank you. Signing off. Hala Marit.